Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another edition of Your Adrenal Fix. My name is Dr. Joel Rosen. As you guys know, I am the Adrenal Fatigue Recovery Ninja, and I'm really excited to welcome my guest here, Dr. Kelly Halderman. Um, she is an MD. I'm just going to give you a little intro on her. She's completed a family practice medicine internship with the University of Minnesota and has a naturopathic medicine degree from Kingston College of Natural Health, where she is the current academic dean of students. She holds a certification in methyl genetic nutrition by the Nutrigenetic Research Institute and certification from the American Functional Neurology Institute. She is uh, the lead researcher for Nutrigenetic Research Institute and sits on their board. Uh, she is currently working on completing her PhD in clinical nutrition and has a certification in plant-based nutrition from Cornell University. Uh, her interests include cancer and chronic Lyme, of which she is personally experienced and beaten. And she does cons consultations for those interested in optimizing their health. And on top of that, she's got two little ones, right, Kelly? I have three. Three little ones. Wow. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, welcome. Thank you so much for doing this. Thank you. Thanks so much, Dr. Joel. It's been, it's going to be awesome. I'm excited. Yeah, when we met each other a couple months ago in Chicago, and I said, okay, I can be a super nerd with you, and I want to do that online, so let's do it, and here we are. So thank you again once so much for doing that. Yeah, thank you. So, okay, so Kelly, I always like to start with the guests and sort of give us a little story of your background. You mentioned that you had Lyme, and, you know, here you are, you're the lead researcher, and you're doing, you know, some plant-based stuff. You have a naturopathic uh, uh, background and MD background. So tell us a little bit about what makes you tick and why you tick that way. Yeah, definitely. Um, so, you know, my journey really started, um, you know, when I was in with the, with the white coat in the hospital, I was practicing medicine, really happy, scored in the 99th percentile on my boards, you know, really knew how to handle those patients. But, you know, in the back of my mind, it always kind of bugged me that I didn't think we were getting at the root cause. But, you know, you're so busy in medicine and you got a lot of student loans to pay that you just, you keep learning, you carry on. But it wasn't until my uh, own health started to fail that I realized that we really need to not just cover things up with pills. Um, and I was actually diagnosed with MS and was told to go get my fares in order and be with my children and given, you know, a big pill box of pills. And I had to take a step back. I mean, it was personal now. And um, that's why I went back and I got my naturopathic medical degree. And I started to learn about things such as nutrition that I wasn't taught in medical school and a lot of epigenetic things that I could do and just started to claw my way out of that chronic disease hole. And, you know, really what makes me tick is that we, we don't even know what we don't know. Every day something new is coming out. And somebody has to be, you know, like ourselves, we have to be looking for new solutions because getting to the root cause, it's not easy, but medicating it, you know, medicating these symptoms, it, it's just, it's just, it's so sad. And, um, you know, that's why I, I fight for my patients. I fight for, you know, my, my own family just to keep our health optimized um, and just coming up with new concepts and things. And I'm excited to talk about detoxification 2.5 because it was really founded um, in retrospect, looking back on what I think went wrong with me and why I was susceptible for, to Lyme and then, and then how to fix that. So we're going to give your audience some really, really good tangible things to do too. So it's going to yeah. be that's awesome. So lots to, you know, I can go on different side, side holes on that um, in terms of, and we talked a little bit before we started and, and I'll just let the audience know if you're willing, we'll do a part two of this because there is just so much content to talk, to talk about. 
Um, but, you know, we talked about a concept you just mentioned, uh, Detox 2.5, and we'll get into that. But the, the, for my audience, um, my audience, as you know, are adrenal fatigue sufferers, um, which ultimately, if someone doesn't know what that means, they don't handle stress the same way. Um, potentially, they get anxiety and panic disorders. And there's such a big gamut where they crash in the middle of the day. They don't focus. Um, they can't concentrate. They're not sleeping. Um, they have some weight loss resistance. There's just such an umbrella term. And the reason that umbrella term is so much is because as you and I mentioned is it just whatever is sounding the alarm system, which the adrenals are the alarm system, um, is ultimately sounding um, the, the upstream problems at the cellular level. So maybe you can give me an idea at the mitochondrial level. So you and I um, talked a little bit about cell danger response and my audience knows that term, but just sort of um, transitioning between cell danger and detox 2.5, um, tell me what what you know what you've seen with cell danger and and how it's such a you know underreported epidemic. Sure. So you know the cell danger response is is a primordial programmed mechanism to to help us. And you know when we're when we're exposed to a threat, so that threat could be physiological, it could be a biotoxin, um, but our mitochondria are responding. They're sounding the alarm for some reason. And, you know, it's really important that we don't go against what the body is trying to do because, you know, we'll go into a cell danger response um, if we get exposed to the flu virus. But then when the flu virus is, is taken care of because of what the cell danger response does, then we shift out of it. The problem is, is when we get stuck in this cell danger response. And I know 100% I was stuck in the cell danger response. Some of the things that, you know, you can look at as a clinician to know. How do you know if you're in the cell danger response? Well, history. I mean, take a history. This person is sick. They've seen 17 practitioners. Nobody's, you know, help, help them to get better and they can't get better. Uh, reverse T3 is high. You know, homocysteine could be high. CRP could be high. You could have some cholestasis. You know, there's a lot of things that um, we look at as practitioners and we don't go, oh, okay, their thyroid's not working. Let's hammer them with thyroid, you know, medication or hammer them with nutrients because we have to go back and we have to correct the cell danger response. We really have to turn it off in a sense. And, and that's really important. When I was, when I was sick with Lyme, I, I definitely had adrenal burnout. I mean, my Dutch test, I was just flatlined. Um, but, but my body was in that cell danger response and it was trying to do something positive. So, you know, it, it, it does play a role in the detoxification 2.5. So, you know, when we're inflamed, we're not good detoxers, whether you are genetically or not. So um, when we work uh, at our clinic on, on, managing the triggers first. So if you don't get rid of the trigger, you don't get rid of the cause. If you live in a moldy house and you're still living there, your cell danger response, no matter what we do, is going to be triggered and triggered and triggered. So finding that out is really important. And then I say like, after you put out the fire, so your house is on fire. And after you put out the fire, you have to look at picking the pieces back up. What do we have to rebuild? What do we have to, you know, re-nourish? Oh, absolutely. So a couple of things. Oh, sorry. I, you paused there for a second. So I don't know if you finished or not. Yeah, I did. Yeah. Okay. All right. So, so in, in, in the average person trying to understand cell danger, when you get a cold and you get a fever, your body's going in a, in a heightened temperature to try to potentially kill off pathogens and so forth. And sometimes what happens, and I'm sure you'll see a test to this, Kelly, is um, if we could just get out of our own way, right? Like, you know, you go on 
uh, fever reducers, or if your thyroid is underactive, you'll go on th uh, you know thyroid hormone, or if your 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 hormones, female hormones or male hormones are low, we'll just you know give give you what you need. But ultimately, how how does that impact cell danger? You know, from what you've seen. So you know, I I definitely think that at treating the downstream effects isn't very effective. Like you're, you're just sawing sawdust. Like you're just, there's nothing you're doing is, is getting at that, that root cause. So, you know, I, I really think um, an important piece again um, is detoxification and boy, that word has been bastardized. So, you know, when, when I used to hear that word, I just kind of shut it, you know, shut off the podcast because it's like, okay, we've heard this lecture, but the piece that I think has been missing is, is, and I'm just going to go into it is the, is the 2.5 aspect is opening up the door where when you make, when your body's ready to, to escort those toxins out, that the 2.5 door is open to get them out. Because if you have someone who, you know, let's say they're in cell danger and they have a, um, a lot of things going on and you're addressing the trigger, maybe it's mold and you start to kill off some of the mold. You start to do things where the body starts to liberate the toxins and phase one, you know, detoxification is the um, enzymatic transformation. And then you go into phase two where you're conjugating. Okay. So you do all that, but then if your door is closed, if you can't get those toxins out through that 2.5 door, which eventually end in your intestines in the toilet, they're going to go back in your blood and you're going to feel like crap. And that's what I think was happening is in myself. I had, a, I had a great team of practitioners who were helping me, but I was being thrown into more detox, more detox. And I just kept feeling sicker and sicker, like the Herx reaction. And, you know, really addressing the load, the allostatic load, as Dr. Eric Balcavage taught me, is really important. And you can address it, but you better make sure just very fundamentally, this is just a super fundamental concept of our physiology that I gave it a new name because I'm like, it has to, you know, we have to catch some attention here, is, is making sure that's open. So, um, you can kind of ask me anything about that or where you want to go with that. No, absolutely. So just to summarize, um, and I just, it's interesting because just before I got on the call, someone asked me, well, what do you mean by detox? As you've mentioned, like she thinks about like someone in the streets who may be using IVs and stuff like that, you know, need to detox. So um, when we're talking about such a, and you used the word earlier, epigenetics. So all the things besides our genes and, you know, you and I are both big fans of Dr. Lynch. And one of the lectures that, you know, I become Forrest Gump with that I listen to over and over and over again is the fact that environment is everything but yourself, right? Pretty That's much. Right, yep. And you could even have an environment inside yourself as well. Yep, yep. Um, so with that being said, um, when you have an environment um, that is, that's the epigenetics, everything but the genetics, um, and it ultimately needs to be removed from the body. And, and what you're saying is there's this whole other aspect besides the first phase um, that makes more of a, a, of a, um, a fat soluble, water soluble, is more enzymatic. Um, we'll talk about the iron component of that. If, and, then, and then potentially the, um, the phase two, which is not just methylation, but all the other things that are involved with that. So why don't you just start with where you're the most comfortable, where someone's like knows that, yeah, I feel toxic. I know that I have uh, inflammation. I know I probably have cell danger. I know my hormones and my adrenals aren't working well. So um, what can I do from a detoxification standpoint and, and what, you know, what's involved with it? Because you know, as you mentioned to me earlier, 
not only the practitioner that listens to this, but the average, you know, person that's suffering that doesn't have all the information. At the end of the day, Kelly, how, how would let, t take us through the step-by-step -step process of phase one, phase two, and, and of course, what you've coined as 2.5? Sure. So, you know, detoxification is, is set up in our body for a really good reason, right? I mean, we are in our environments just getting worse and worse. So, you know, phase one, you have your cytochrome P450s are the, are the workhorse. And they will, of course, take things that are endogenous or, or exogenous, and we can call them toxins just to be, to simplify. And they'll make them a little more reactive. And so you're gonna have to have phase two come in. Um, glut glutathione helps with that. Uh, glucuronidation, sulfation, acetylation, methylation, those come in and make sure that that toxin is water soluble so that it can go primarily from the liver cell into the bile caniculi. So it's that movement because the, the toxin have to be packaged up because the bile is water soluble. You have to have that in there. So what you want to make sure, this is why I say Detox 2.5 comes first. It has to come first. You have to make sure that you're not bombarding your body with phase one and two pushers. Because if you do, again, they will end up back in your circulation. And, and you might actually end up worse, especially with heavy metal detoxes. So the 2.5, so you have your hepatocyte and it's connected onto your bioconiculus. And there's a, there's a transport membrane protein right there called the MRP2. Now the MRP2 is the mechanism where that phase two conjugated toxin goes through, gets into the bile, and then phase three, bile goes to the intestines and then it gets excreted. Okay, so that's a perfect scenario. So what you wanna make sure is that the MRP2 is, is in the channel. You have to make sure it's, it's there because under states of inflammation, the MRP2 channel, your door, is pulled from the membrane. You don't even have an exit strategy for your toxins. So the number one thing I think, uh, you know, speaking from a, a personal experience is that when I took glutathione, I didn't feel good at all. And I couldn't figure it out. I'm like, why do I not? I mean, I'm pushing the right, you know, pathways. I'm trying to open up the detox pathways, but really 2.5 must be open in order for it to actually get through. So first of all, everybody, make sure that you're doing things to help manage that phase 2.5. So let's talk about 2.5. So you have your, your MRP2. So what will make that shut down, that transport is, again, inflammation. So you kind of go backwards, like a, you, know, you keep asking why. Well, why are we inflamed? Okay, one of the reasons we're inflamed is our environment. The mast cell are, are orchestrators of inflammation. You know, they, they're, they're most plentiful where we meet the environment in our gut, our hypothalamus. And so, you know, they're just trying to alert us to this terrible environment that we're living in. But the downstream effect is that they put off a lot of mediators that cause a lot of inflammation. So, you know, how, how, do, we, how do we manage that? Well, you know, our environment, it, it really does come back to clean air, clean water, clean food, you know, manage the stress. So if, if I'm driving along and someone cuts me off in traffic and I get mad, my mast cells are going to degranulate. So what's been helpful for me, and we talked about this, you as well, Dr. Joel, is the brain tap. So I, I really wasn't a, a sit down meditator type person. I have a lot of glutamates, you know, I'm high energy, but the brain tap has enabled me to really get the most bang for my buck in terms of 
trying to manage that stress piece. And I know there's a lot of different things and a lot of different listeners have a lot of good things, but we, I know you and I are on the same page. We cannot emphasize that enough about the stress piece and just, you know, keep calm and, and try not to degranulate is kind of our, our phrase there. So, you know, that's the number one thing you want to do. And then there's other things that degranulate the mast cell. And again, those are those triggers that set off the cell danger response, like mold and Lyme and um, EMF. So if I could um, you know, scream something from the rooftops, I would say, protect yourself from EMF. I mean, Mercola has called EMF the cigarettes of the 21st century. I have done more to protect myself since the seminar where I met you and, and my family than I have in the past five years because the evidence is piling up. We're not going to get better. It, it affects calcium channels. When you have calcium channels, increased phosphorylation, your cells are, are, are struggling and dying. And um, so I think that's a really important one because it will degranulate the mast cell as well. Um, just to finish up, so the MRP2, it, it also will be affected by a bad gut. So your exit strategy, your door to get your toxins out will be plucked from the membrane and it won't be there if you have lipopolysaccharides running around. It'll also uh, won't be there if you have high bad estrogens. And then also, if you can't make bile salts, so this gets into kind of nerdy physiology, but this is where I really started to realize the 2.5 problem is that I looked at my, my own genetics and I listened to the work of Dr. Eric Volkavich on his uh, uh, work on bio, biophysiology. This, he knows more than anybody on the planet and how important it is that bile flows, how important it is for your whole entire body that you get your bile right. So I looked at my sickest of the sick patients and sure enough, they couldn't, they had a genetic predisposition, I would say, to not being able to make bile properly, okay? So if you can't make bile properly, it's, you're gonna have that problem where your toxins are not gonna be, be able to get out. So that might be our part two of how to address that. That's the acetylation pathways. You could look at the, you know, the genetics and kind of see if you're um, at risk on the PANK enzyme, the ACAT enzyme, um, and then the NAT. Those are all involved. Uh, those enzymes are all involved in that pathway. And then lastly, is phosphatidylcholine. So if you have a perfect MRP2 that's right in that membrane, your stress is low, your inflammation's low, you know, you, you, you are able to make your bile cells. If you don't have phosphatidylcholine a, a plentiful in your diet, or, you, you know, really the, I think I read a study that only 8% of Americans are meeting their requirement, that your bile won't flow. So we call that, uh, that sludgy bile, that cholestasis that, um, that we see quite often, um, especially in our female population. So um, looking at those three things and how to fix those three things is really um, at the heart of the phase 2.5. But again, it should come first. Wow. So I, I can ask you a hundred questions on that. Um, one of the, what, well, so just repeat real quick what the three things were. So sure. that, yeah. So phase 2.5 consists of having your MRP2 channel in the membrane. So the door's got to be open and it consists of making your bile salts. So are you able to make those bile because those couple together? And then thirdly, it is the phosphatidylcholine. If you have adequate amounts, those three coupled together have got to be in place in order for you to get toxins out. And this, you know, this applies to everything from weight loss, chronic fatigue, you know, again, the for sure, adrenal fatigue, um, you know, even getting your bile flowing will, you know, cure constipation and SIBO and things. So 
Um, I could go on and on, but that's why we're having a seminar on it. So right. um, Dr. Yeah. Eric L. Cabbage and I. I'll be there yeah. at that seminar too, because uh, my head is expanding right now. <laughs> so one of the things that you mentioned though, which, which I see a lot of, um, and so maybe you can touch on it a little bit, is with glutathione. So you mentioned that uh, I've had a lot of patients that have had that same phenomena where they take glutathione and they do have genetic predispositions for it. Their B12 is oxidizing. Um, they're producing lots of hydrogen peroxide. Um, they, their other genetic susceptibilities upstream and downstream. Yeah, um, they need it, right? Yeah, they need it. But, but why, so from not having that MRP2 enzyme um, set up and then not having the um, phosphatidylcholine uh, ready and available, maybe explain that again, Kelly. Sure. So when you're taking the glutathione, you have the best intentions because you can see on paper and I have done, I did this up until this, this, this uh, spring when I started to realize what was going on, you can take it and what it does is it upregulate. I mean, it does a lot of things, but let's just keep it simple. It's going to upregulate uh, phase two. So you're going to have a lot of toxins that are now conjugated with the glutathione. They're ready to go. They're ready for excretion. They want to get into the bile to be excreted out phase three, just get on out into the toilet. But what happens is, is that you're, cre you're creating more, you're creating a backup because your 2.5 door is not open. It's, it's really simple. So before the glutathione, go after 2.5, go open that up, optimize it. Super simple. I actually created a 2.5 detox uh, nutraceutical because there are, there are nutraceuticals that will stabilize the MRP2 that, you know, will, you can have phosphatidylcholine, you can use that as well, but you, you, you give that first, make sure the door is open and then try some glutathione. And I, I, I know myself and a couple other patients, you know, this is pretty new. Once the door is open, yes, they can, they're getting more toxins out. We're seeing that. What, what is the, just, what is that MRP2 um, door opener supplement? Sure, that you sure. Do? So, um, you know, basically there's um, a couple heavy hitters. So milk thistle will help stabilize the, the MRP2 in the membrane. So, you, you know, first of all, I think we have to think upstream. We have to think managing what causes it. So I don't think anyone could continue their poor lifestyle and take take 2.5 be like, I'm good to go. You know, I, I, you're, you're fighting uphill there. So, right. you, you know, the, the nutraceutical, the, the phase 2.5 will have some bitter herbs in it because bitter herbs are going to help. It's a cholagog. You're going to help move the bio, the bile flow and uh, the milk thistle will stabilize the MRP too. Uh, it'll also have artichoke. There's a ton of really good uh, articles on science on artichoke and how this mechanism works. And then we're going to put some extra little things in there for um, some things that would take me a, a long time to explain, but they just help really lock that in there for you. They help open, open that door up. And then of course, as a practitioner, this is what we teach practitioners is that um, I like to use things such as Tudka, but I don't necessarily think the world needs Tudka and those are bile salts. Um, you know, they, every, for every action, there's a reaction, action, there's a reaction. So we don't want to slam someone with a bunch of bile salts, but there are people who need those. So Tudka can also stabilize the MRP too. Um, but it's not in that product. Cause again, it's just, we have to be gentle. I wanted some, I wanted honestly to design something that my children could take because they're just like me They're you know, that we have a lot of similar genetics and we have similar epigenetic factors going on. Um, 
Um, and then, and then lastly, I would say that um, it's not in the 2.5 product, but optimize your, your phosphatidylcholine, you know, and that, that's kind of tough. You need a practitioner. You need, you need someone to help. I think most of the time, because it can, it can downstream, it can turn into acetylcholine. You can have some depression, anxiety issues, you know, with it. So I like phosphatidylcholine from food. Um, but not everybody can eat eggs and not everybody likes liver and things. So, right. Yeah. There's just so much. And it gets back into what we talked about earlier in terms of changing your brain frequencies, reprocessing the information that are stressing you and, and putting a different meaning to it. I get into a lot with my patients and the people I work with in the community in terms of just gratitude, you know, and, and celebration and, 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 and forgiveness and all those types of things. And then good quality air and then obviously good nutrition and, and not too many carbs. And we've, we've talked about that. Um, so, okay. So awesome. I just, I, I, I'm almost like a loss for words because there's so many things. I can, can I add something? Me. Can I add something? Okay. Yeah. So, so what I, and I, this is a really, really important. Once you open up the two, five, 2.5 door and you have toxins going into your bile and then they're going to go into your intestine please use intestinal binders. Please put an insurance policy in there, in your body, that you're gonna take these toxins that your body worked really hard to put together water soluble and, and that they're not gonna be reabsorbed back into your body. That's called enterohepatic recirculation because that happens all the time. That happens a lot with mercury and then the mercury is even more toxic. So using a, a comprehensive binder is like the 11th commandment to me, thou shalt bind. Um, you know, just because we're, we're, we're really getting out a lot of stuff. So, um, I was able to create a binder, you know, I create these things for myself. It's so funny. I, I really do. I'm like, man, I'm so sick of taking charcoal and chloride. I, I, you know, all the bottles of pills were lined up on my, on my nightstand. And I'm like, I have to take all of these and it's really hard. And so I'm like, can't someone just put this into one product, one pill that I could swallow. And I was blessed to be able to, to do that and put it, put it in one pill. So um, it's really easy. And that's, that's, I, I like easy. Yeah, that's awesome. So, but, and, and if you don't mind me sharing, I know we talked about earlier where, you know, let's say I don't have a, a gallbladder. So mm -hmm. is this different information for me than th what you're talking about? Like, do I still got to worry about 2.5 and all that kind of stuff? Yeah, so I don't have a gallbladder either. So I think that made me more susceptible to what's going on because all of a sudden you can't even house bile anymore. You don't even have anywhere to put bile anymore. Um, so to answer your question, the binders, it doesn't change at all. And it, and it really shouldn't change the MRP too because that canicular membrane is still present even though I don't have a gallbladder. So there's some things that, that you, you know, other practitioners can tweak for people who don't have a gallbladder, but this, again, this is completely relevant to that. You know, they may need a little smidge of ox bile or, you know, like, I, I, I get a little bit um, concerned when someone's on like a full keto and they don't have a gallbladder and they just, they just, just go for it. It's like, you kind of, you have to work with a skilled practitioner such as yourself. Um, but the whole fit phase 2.5 does not change because everything we're talking about doesn't change. And, and everything that we're talking about in terms of cell danger completely applies. Oh, right. even more so, because look even at you, so. you really, right. you, yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay, awesome. So then let's touch about a little bit, you talked about mast cell, you know, and I think what happens is with good intentions, patients will say, you know, I'm histamine intolerant, and that, you know, or they label themselves as I have mast cell problems. So let's just talk a little bit again about the mast cell, because I know you, you, in your story, you shared 
in Chicago, you, you sort of were asked to speak about mast cell and then it sort of opened up this whole Pandora's box, like, holy moly, there's this whole thing about mast cells. So tell us, share us that story, Kelly. Yeah. So um, I teach with Dr. Bob Miller from the Nutrigenic Research Institute and I'm on the board and we were, we we're going to teach a conference in, um, in, it was in Florida here in May. And um, we were, we just, you know, just we're constantly studying, just like you, constantly reading papers. And he, and he says to me, Kelly, I want you to do a presentation on, on mast cells. And I need, I need it to be about three hours. And I went, you know, mast cells, like, okay, we heard like two things about that medical school, really nothing per se, uh, naturopathic school. So I was like, okay, you know, kind of eyes are rolling, but I started to look at these mast cells and, you know, again, where they're located, where we meet the environment. And then I started to look at, um, you know, what sets them off. And again, bad, bad environment. And the, one of the, um, the world's most, um, you know, foremost authority on the mast cells, Dr. Theoridis. And he was quoted as saying that they, they orc, they're the orchestrators of the inflammatory response. And I, I just like my, my jaw dropped. I went, okay. And if you look at these cells, they have, you know, they're, they have so many receptors. They're just waiting. They just have their, their finger on the pulse of what's going on in our environment. And so then you look at the inside of them, they have 500 granules a piece and each one of those has 50 mediators. So there's, they can do a lot of damage. They don't, they don't circulate. Um, but, but when they do release, when they, when they were, and they're aggravated, you know, from everything from Lyme, they have toll-like receptors for Lyme and mold and vibration and EMF and stress. Um, in foods, of course, you know, you can have your anaphylactic reaction, but they- and, and Sorry, one more thing, one more thing to interrupt and, and thought, right? And emotion. Oh, absolutely. Emotion, right. Yeah. You ever see people get all red when they get all mad? It's like their mast cells just went- Right. You know, and they just, they just turn, you know, that's the histamine, that's the leukotriene. I mean, so you think about all the things that it's degranulating, putting into your system. And a lot of those cytokines, um, IL-1 beta, IL-6, those are really nasty, TNF-alpha. And let's just say you have perfect genetics, like everything, there's no, there's no, you know, you have all wild type, everything's working great. If your mast cell degranulates that TNF-alpha, for instance, it will shut down methylation. So don't go chasing these down, don't go giving someone, you know, the, when we learn, we know this, right? Don't, don't take a the ton of methyl groups thinking that you're gonna fix this, but you still remain, you know, inflammatory and, you know, and emotionally, physically. Um, that's why you gotta kind of look upstream. So when I, when I looked at what the mast cells can degranulate and what those do to our body, uh, that was a big aha moment for me going, we have to stabilize these. And, you know, of course there's great nutraceuticals that stabilize them. You know, one of the things that comes out of a mast cell is histamine. So, um, you know, when people have histamine issues, you know, you have to, it can, you know, it can be that there, it could be from the food that they're eating. It can be from a combination, I really think. So you know, I try and get people on a low histamine diet. I will use some band-aids, H21, H2 blockers, um, luteolin is my favorite, the far, the most researched nutraceutical on mast cell stabilization. Um, you, and actually, um, yeah, we're working on a product for that as well. You know, there's a lot of good things out there, but I think that, um, this is a piece of, of a lot of different diseases. And I can say that the, the science would say that. So, okay. So just to summarize, you know, every, everything, like I always say, stress is a meat grinder is the analogy I use. And you have 
Um, you have veal and chicken and beef. You have emotion, chemical, physical, trauma, um, all of those things. And that ultimately is mediated by mast cell activation. Right. And then so as far as it degranulates, then how does that tie into 2.5 again? Okay. So when the mast cell degranulates, some of those, those cytokines are the inflammatory cytokines. And those, that inflammation in of itself will pull your, your MRP2 from the membrane. The, the door is not even there. It like disappeared. So that's where it's like, you can, again, you can do all you want to try and stabilize that membrane with nutraceuticals, but you can't supplement yourself to health. I'm sorry, we all know that, right? You can't medicate, you can't supplement yourself to health. You got to go backwards. You got to go way up and go, okay, really look at what the mast cells are, are doing when you're stressed out, you know, and, and really managing that, that piece. So I, I completely ag agree with you, Joel. So, okay, so then it comes down to the membrane, right? Because really you have the component of the membrane and, and that is, you know, when you look at methylation um, and you look at all of like the MTHFR and folic acid and methylfolate and methionine and homocysteine and, you know, trimethylglycine and SAMe, um, ultimately 70 to 80% of that whole process is to repair the cell membrane. Mm -hmm. Right. And yep. so if that's not happening, number one, the cell membrane isn't going to be rigid enough to protect the inner contents, but also fluid enough to allow binding. But then now what you're saying is that the MRP2 is a is a is a protein that is a, a receptor that allows for um, the bile that's nicely packaged or sorry, the 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 um, the phase two um, conjugated um, toxins that are ready to come on out. It's kind of like um, sort of the the bridge between that and getting outside of the cell. Is that exactly. is that correct? Exactly. So so help me with this. So we'll have a little fun here. So when I'm doing a Dutch test review, um, I, I have these crazy analogies, as you know. So when I'm looking at phase one and I'm explaining someone phase one. I'm saying phase one's kind of like having a party and you have a lot of pizza boxes, gluten-free pizza boxes at, you know, at a, a low extreme, you're not getting too much carbs, um, maybe some wine bottles, um, you're bringing that to the curb. And then, you know, then phase two comes along and the garbage men take it to, you know, from the curb into, into the truck and remove it. So 2.5 would be almost like the hatch on the garbage truck being able to get it into the truck. Right. Would that be correct? Right. Right. And right. then if the 2.5 doesn't do that, then what's going to happen is the garbage men aren't going to take it and they're just going to leave it on the street. And then exactly. that's going to go and create a whole bunch of, um, you know, critters and, and rats and rodents in your, in your neighborhood. But in your body, that's going to create a lot of um, partially metabolized um, substrates that go and rebind to already oxidized membranes that don't have good places to bind to. And all of a sudden you have bloating and fatigue and pain and constipation and brain fog and anxiety and all of the above. Is that, is that sort of a, a fair, go feel free to use that. Analogy. I was just going to say, well, I'm going to steal that. So thank you. No, that's perfect. That's perfect. That's perfect. Okay. Thank okay. you. Okay. That's awesome. So, so there's a lot more. Okay. So the, the other thing I wanted to talk to you about, which you talked about in your, um, in your presentation, and we'll talk about now, if you, if you're willing, not so much the, the autophagy and the mTOR, 
um, but more of the retroviruses. Mm -hmm. So that's a big topic. Maybe give us what is a retrovirus? Um, you know, I sort of just switched gears on us a little bit, but how does it maybe segue from what we're talking about and what, what on earth is it? Okay. So, okay. So basically, you know, DNA viruses like the herpes virus, they directly incorporate themselves into the DNA and then they can repl replicate. But retroviruses, they can embed themselves into our RNA and then they activate through re reverse transcriptase. Um, we can we can get retroviruses from um, you know being passed down. We can get them from flea bites, tick bites. Some would say you could get them from some vaccines may have them, um, but they need to be silenced. Is basically it is you know they're going to come with a package of our DNA and they're they're silenced by methylation and, and acetylation. Um, but you know the downstream effects of retroviruses. I mean th there's there's a lot of downstream effects and we you know. Um, I don't know if there's enough time to go in them, but, but when they're not silenced, they can create, and this blew my mind, they can create new mutations in, let's say, um, a child. Let's, the, the work of Dr. Klinghart. So he, um, he had a child who had a double um, MTHFR 1298, and just they were looking at the DNA, so they thought, let's look at the parents. Parents had completely wild type. Where did that where did that gene come from? Where did that where did that mutation come from? Now this would this is a this is a paradigm shift for me because knowing that retroviruses can actually create create um, these SNPs is is pretty it's pretty significant. So instead of just treating the SNP going, oh, okay, they have 1298, you know, let's do some let's do some some foundational work and other things. You say, okay, well, what caused it? And then you look at the, the retroviruses. Now, there's a lot of things that can also activate the retroviruses. Um, mercury and, and let, I think mercury and aluminum for sure, EMF, glyphosate and infections. Um, those all trigger the cell danger response. And actually, the cell danger response has a component of it with retroviruses. So there might be some planned mutations by our body that we're not, you know, again, it's just when we fight against the body, we lose, we lose. We have, to, we have to keep asking why. And I think that's what keeps you and I going. It's just like, why this and why that? And um, you know, we don't want to, we want to learn more. And every day we learn that what we don't know. Yeah. So you know, there's some overlap though with, with how um, you can stabilize a mast cell and how you can actually help to silence a retrovirus. Um, sulforaphane, big fan, huge fan. The literature on sulforaphane is incredible. Um, luteolin, again, luteolin has that crossover where it will help manage that mast cell and it'll also help to silence the um, retroviruses. Now this is cool, this is the piece that's really cool. So the retrovirus is silenced by the acetylation. So acetylation is one of the really main things going on with the bile salts and histamine and how we're processing that. So when you are doing things in the body that are nodal, you're getting an effect way downstream. So again, it's hard to, you know, I'm going to take three days and I'm going to teach this. So, you know, it's kind of hard to, to put it all into one thing, but uh, the optimization of, of those um, are, are so critically important. And I, and I'm clinically seeing, I, I don't want to use miracles, but I mean, I'm clinically seeing just profound changes in, in people when you start going after these very high nodal and, you know, for your audience, nodal, you know, just means you're not, you're not just, you know, downstream trying to do little band-aids, you know, you're up, you know, you're, you're, you're suturing up the wound, you know, instead of, right. yeah. Right. So though, no, that's, that's incredible stuff. Um, I, if, if you've ever followed 
um, a, a doctor. He, he passed recently. His name was Dr. Bob Marshall. Did you know him? Mm -hmm. Yeah, Sandra Preston. Or what was he from the- He was um, from Pimir Research Lab. PRL, there we go, PRL. Yeah. And um, that's the first time I ever heard of retroviruses and acetylation back then. And you know, he said our DNA, his, his um, research was saying 30% of our DNA just express you know, retroviruses. And if you're, not, if you're not doing that foundational stuff we just talked about, all that stuff that causes mast cells to degranulate and that's, you know, that's proper breath and proper gratitude and proper, you know, um, just proper healing and eating and, you know, just this healthy, healthy, uh, less is more. And I'll tell you what, one of the things that I have is I have a patent on the term stress footprint. Like, I think that trying to reduce your stress footprint is really going to reduce the expression of, you know, mast cell degranulation, let alone retrovirus activation. So um, lots there. Thank you so much for sharing. Yeah. So you mentioned about a, a class in October that you're doing um, on cell danger. Tell us a little bit about that. Sure. So uh, Dr. Eric Belcavage and I are going to be teaching about um, the cell danger response phase 2.5 how to optimize it, you know, it's basically like going to mechanic school. First of all, we're gonna, we're gonna go through the nuts and bolts of it, and then we're gonna look under the hood and see, okay, when it goes wrong, what, do you, what are you gonna do? And then we're gonna look at cases and how we manage those cases. So um, October 5th, 6th, and 7th, it's in Austin, Texas. It's, it's gonna be great. Um, to register, you'd go to phpltd.com. Um, also my website, um, I, I have it packed with all the events I'm doing as well as as um, papers that I've written for the layperson or for the doctor, such as, such as on autophagy. So you can understand how to optimize that. So um, I, have, I have papers on there, down, free downloads um, for, for people um, really looking to want to learn more about kind of these high-level concepts. I try to bring in analogies like you do, Dr. Joel. And my website is just drkellyhalderman.com, D-R-K-E-L-L-Y-H-A-L-D-E-R-M-A-N.com. That's, that's so awesome. I, you know, and Kelly, I want to be respectful for your time. I have so much more things that I want to ask you. Like I have crazy notes down here, um, but um, we will save it for part two. Um, I, any, any sort of, uh, you know, I was actually listening to, I'm going to steal it from Dr. Lynch. I listen. I don't know if you listened to all of his 2018. He didn't have a, um, a MTHFR or he didn't have a, a Daikon Summit, but he did have the interviews. I don't know if you had a chance. I to caught listen. a couple of them. Yeah, for sure. So, so yeah, I'm going to steal it from him and I'll, and I'll, and I'll give him credit for it. But he asked everyone that he asks um, that he interviewed, you know, knowing what you know now, um, if you could change, you know, your habits, you know, five, 10, 15, 20 years ago, um, what, or, uh, what would you have done differently? Oh, I mean, stress. I, I poo pooed stress left and right. No, not me. I'm not affected by stress. And I think, it really, it really was part of my demise. And you know, when you're, when you're in medical school and you're drinking information from a fire hose, you know, you, you don't have a choice, but I think that um, there is always something that we, we can do. And um, you know, I'm trying to teach my kids right now how to be present, how to be, how to be you know, in, in the moment and really not perpetuating you know, the, the stress type A high glutamate personality, you know, it, it served me well, but if there's one thing I could do, I would just chill out. I would just give, I would be grateful that I'm breathing. 
Yeah, well, so, okay, so not just gratitude, but also just the awareness, right? Like the awareness that the stress, here's my analogy on this one. So, you know, remember those old monkeys that, you know, that would have to play that monkey recorder mm -hmm. and they would have to dance. The more stressed they are, the more they're having to dance, right? So yeah. you would be aware of it, number one, and then you would have had ways to mitigate that, number two, I guess, you know, to realize that it, the impact is real on your epigenetics that could cause the expression of your genetics. Right, right, absolutely. Awesome. Well, I thank you so much. I'm going to hold you to doing another one of these. Absolutely. Kelly. I'd love to. This is really fun. Thank you yeah, for having me. I, I think I'm actually going to go to your October class. I just have to figure out if that works with my schedule, but I would love to go and, and learn more so that just like you, our mission is to, you know, know what we don't know and then, you know, know what we, you know, you know, know a little bit more that we That's didn't right. know before. Right. That's so right. That We'd love to have you. That'd be awesome. All right. Well, thank you so much for doing this. And I hope you have a wonderful day, Kelly. You too. Thank you, Joel. Thanks for tuning into today's show. If you like what you've heard and you're interested to see if you're a good fit to work with our Adrenal Awakening program, here's what to do next. Head to adrenalfatiguesociety.com forward slash apply and book an appointment to speak to our team. Here's how it works. We'll get on the phone for about 45 minutes and get you crystal clear on three things. Number one, where exactly do you want to be with your health and where are you now? Number two, what are the genetic components that haven't been discovered that are impacting your health? And number three, what are the environmental triggers that may be overlapping with these genetic components keeping you from getting optimal health? Remember, getting your energy back just won't happen by itself. You need expert guidance to make that happen. We've helped clients all over the world transform their lives, quadruple their energy, and fix their metabolism, and make the world a better place. To see if you can do the same thing, head to adrenalfatiguesociety.com forward slash apply. I'm Dr. Richard Joel Rosen, and we'll talk to you soon.